Well, I think as a citizen of the earth, it's something we should be concerned about, and it is real. It's, again, let's assume, let's assume, going back to my 10% number, to me, if you think there's a 10% chance, or if you think there's a 90% chance, it doesn't matter. You should do something about it either way. Hi, this is Joshua Spodek, and this is Leadership in the Environment. You're not the only one who cares about your impact enough to act. You're part of a global community undeterred by people saying, if others don't change first, then what I do doesn't matter, and other excuses. We've read the science. We can do this. This show is about personal responsibility, acting, and improving your life by your values. As guest after guest says, the challenge was hard, but thank you for getting me to do it. I wish I'd done it earlier. Listen on for leaders to inspire you. Hear their struggles. And then act. Go to joshuaspodick.com slash podcast to commit to a public, personal challenge of your own. You're not alone, and you don't have to wait for others. Welcome to my conversation with Marshall Goldsmith. I believe he does not need introduction. You can find out so much about him online. He's number one in so many things, being an author, being a coach, things like that. I've known him for over a decade, and he's been one of my great inspirations as well as one of my mentors. So I hope that that you know, it begins a bit congratulatory on my part, but I think it also leads him to share some things that you don't get, but just by reading his books or by watching his videos. Uh, he talks about the evolution of his 100 coaches program. He actually doesn't mention this, but the selfie that he talks about, I actually was the one holding the camera at his apartment when I suggested just record something first. So I'm kind of happy about that. If you like reaching number one and you think you have to be very competitive or a jerk to do it, he is the opposite of that. He has reached the highest levels of being a great, friendly approachable guy. And uh, you get to hear about him, his role models, his attitude on leadership and others, the differences between theory and acting, and he gives you some exercises to work with. So I think you'll get equal parts of leadership in the environment here. So let's take it away. Hello, and welcome to the Leadership in the Environment podcast. This is Joshua Spodek. I'm here with Marshall Goldsmith. Marshall, how are you? Doing wonderful. Thank you for inviting me. You're always doing wonderful. I'm happy to have invited you. Um, Thank you very much for being here. Oh, happy to join you. I've always had fun, everything we've done together. Yeah, and you have been one of the larger influences on me, and you've played instrumental roles at various stages along the way of bringing this podcast into being. Part of it, just your casual coaching me as we've interacted with each other. You've also been instrumental in me getting started some of the practices that have led me to start this podcast. So I would enumerate them, but there's too many. I thank you, but I'm going to keep thank you anyway. Thank you. And... uh, So I'm really curious about something that you recently, like I I think the last time we were in person, it was at your place and you were thinking about starting your 100 coaches program, or I think it was 15 coaches at the time. Yes. And here's what I remember. You said, and I'm not going to be able to say this as when I say it's not going to sound like it did with you, because I don't know how to sound humble talking about amazing things like you, but you said, I've been a number one bestseller. I've been voted number one in, in as a coach, number one, all these different things. And now I got to start thinking of what comes next because there's no more up from one. And you were thinking about getting a bunch of people together and passing on all that you've learned in your career, in your storied career. And I kept thinking, oh, people have done that. That's like a common thing. A lot of people have done that. Now, you took your cue from the Buddha. I thought there have been people since him, but I don't think that's been the case. Not so many. How did things go? I'd love to hear how it went, how it felt for you, if there are other people who have followed in your footsteps. Well, this is a fun idea. 
So what happened is I went to a program that was uh, put on by Aisha Bursell. Aisha is one of the top 15 designers in the world. She's a great friend of mine. I think you've had a chance to meet her. She's a wonderful person. Yeah, I was there at that event. Oh, you were at the event. So yeah. you were there. Remember, she did a program said, who are your heroes? So I write down my heroes, and they were all very generous people who were very great teachers. Alan Mulally, Francis Hesselbein, Peter Drucker, Buddha, all great teachers, and none of them ever charged me any money. And then she said, well, why don't you be more like them? So I thought, you know, that's nice. I should be more like them. So I'm a very generous person anyway. I can give everything away. But I thought I could be more like them. I decided I'm going to adopt 15 people, teach them everything I know for free. And the only price is when they get old, they do the same thing, pay it forward. So I made this selfie video. I'll tell you this sort of backstory on the video, which is funny. So I made a selfie video. So in the selfie video, I just said, you know, I got ranked number one leadership thinker, number one coach, time for me to give back. I'm going to give everything away to 15 people. If you're interested, let me know. It was the most widely viewed video in the history of LinkedIn. Now, here's the funny story. One of the reasons it was the most widely viewed video in the history of LinkedIn is I made a mistake. <laughs> I forgot to put in a link. So everybody kept commenting. They kept saying, how do I apply? And then, of course, I had somebody reply to them. All of these comments just feed the video over and over and over again. It became the most widely viewed video in the history of LinkedIn, largely because I forgot to put in a link. So that was amazing. So I end up within now, well, by now I'm over 14,000 applicants for these positions. I decided to expand it to 100 coaches. So I've adopted 55 to start with. I'm going to adopt another 45 more. And uh, it's been wonderful. A lot of five of the top 50 business thinkers in the world. I've got all kinds of different people. I'm really trying to get a lot of diversity. Got people from, I don't know, 15 or 20 different countries already. And the only negative feedback I've gotten, because you know the internet, you're going to get criticized for something. It's pretty hard to knock this. It's about 99% positive feedback. You know, nice old man gives away everything. So it's hard to criticize. But the only criticism I got is the people that I've selected are so high up the food chain is why don't you give other people a chance who haven't had so many opportunities? So now we're going to adopt another 100 people called 100 aspiring coaches who maybe are not quite so famous and, you know, maybe from developing countries or whatever and uh, give them a chance. So I thought that was a nice idea. This sounds really amazing. I can't tell. Who's getting more out of it? I mean, I mean, I feel like they are, but I feel like you're getting a lot out of it too. Oh, I think I'm getting a lot out of it. And it's great fun for me. It's been very interesting. It gives me an opportunity to interact with a lot of really neat people. And I thought, would I rather teach a class with 25 people who are highly motivated and enthusiastic and gung-ho and smart for free or a bunch of people who don't care and get paid a lot? And I thought, really, I just didn't work with the ones for free who do care. So it's, it's, in that sense, it's been a whole lot of fun. And you mentioned people like Alan Mulally and others that are people following in your footsteps to also share everything that they've learned and everything that they practiced? Well, Alan Mulally is a great case study. Alan has personally donated six hours of his time of the first two sessions I've done for the coaches himself. By the way, his normal fee when you hire him is $150,000 a day for a no, for a speech. He did this for free for one night plus six hours the next day. Jim Kim is the president of World Bank. He's donating his time. Francis is donating her time. So, you know, I've gotten incredible people who are donating their time just to help out the cause. And do I hear a trend starting? Are other people going to be not, not just contributing and helping you, but doing it on their own with their, you know? Well, that's, that's the deal. That is the of deal. Of course, yeah. They're all going to be doing it. And uh, that's the deal and the commitment they've all made is they're going to be doing the same thing. 
And so it's very exciting. And I think they're all doing it in different ways already. Many of them have already started doing it. And so it's kind of a nice excuse to do something nice for somebody. The way I look at it is look at what Bill Gates is doing with money. He's basically giving away all his money. He's giving his kids, I think, 10 million bucks a piece, which amounts to next to nothing for him. He's given away 99% of everything to poor people. And it's really nice. And he's inspired other people to do the same thing. Warren Buffett is doing the same thing. Mark Zuckerberg's doing the same thing. A lot of people are doing the same thing, which is really, to me, I think admirable. I don't think he gets credit enough for it. Well, in a way, what I'm doing is it's a lot easier. When you give somebody money, you don't still have the money. When you give somebody knowledge, you still have the knowledge. You haven't lost anything. So you're really, you're giving something away. In a way, you're not giving it away. You still have it. You're just sharing it. Yeah, it's, it reminds me of, I think, Thomas Jefferson's analogy about ideas that when I light a candle with my candle, my candle's still lit. That's right. It sounds like that. Exactly. Great analogy. Uh, credit to Thomas Jefferson. <laughs> okay, so even with as many people as you're serving this way, most people listening aren't going to get into it. Is this stuff going online? Is there going to be videos made that are released? Anything like well, that? You know, I, I put everything online. I give away videos every week. All my material, you can copy, share, download, duplicate, use in church, charity, business, nonprofit. All my stuff's online all the time. Okay. Yeah. I get all the top 50 stuff and I get plenty of stuff from you. So, I mean, By the way, my new book, don't quote me on this, but you know, I guess you can quote me since it's on, on the radio, but uh, my new book is going to be called Stakeholder-Centered Leadership. And my new book is, I'm going to make it available for free. Wow. Online? It's, the, it's online for free. And I'm going to try to get it printed out as inexpensively as possible because some people do like to buy books and I'll just charge it basically for printing costs plus shipping. This is, uh, I feel like you're on the forefront of a lot of things. Like I wrote an Inc. article about your 15 coaches at the time, I think it was. Yes. And I said how to go up from number one, because you were, this whole thing started with you saying, there's nowhere to go after you're number one. And I feel like you're being more number one. <laughs> That's good. I, I'm not trying to flatter you here. I, I just feel like it's like in the rankings, you already, you know, in, on Amazon or Wall Street Journal reviews or whatever, you can't go past number one. And so you're like changing the game and you're doing it again. Is this something that just seems natural to you? Or is it, I mean, how do, what's going on here? Well, you know, it's just, it's just. Are you just having fun? Yeah, basically just having fun. And also just thinking, why not? You know, why not? It's counterintuitive. As you said, you well, doesn't, don't ever, doesn't everybody do this? Not so much, really. I mean, how many, you know, Wall Street, how many New York Times bestselling authors are giving books away? And there's not thousands of them, I don't think. And uh, how many people give away all their material online? Certainly not everybody. So um, most people, in fact, are the opposite. Most people don't want anybody to get their material for free. Yeah, I really struggled. I, I was sure when I spoke to you about it before that it, many people had done it. And it's, I mean, it just felt like, how could this idea not have been done before? And I just couldn't come up with anyone. Well, if you look at to me, the extreme positive example for me, and I'm, I'm just speaking for me, I'm not making a value judgment for others, is Buddha. Yeah. What did Buddha do? I mean, Buddha, 2,600 years ago, there was no internet. There was no written language. It's hard to comprehend, but there was no written language. There was no internet. There was no written language. Buddha spoke 2,600 years ago and said something that was so profound. It impacted me 2,600 years later, traveling through time, space, language, culture, everything. I mean, how deep is that? Well, you know, how did he do it? He just shared everything with people. And 
then they shared with others and they shared with others. So kind of that's the way he did it. And it's just an amazing, amazing, amazing story. And if you look at, say, Peter Drucker, Peter Drucker taught me so many things. And, you know, now Peter Drucker in a way is dead, but in a way he's not dead, in a way he's alive. Because I always use his material all the time. I'm not Peter Drucker. I'm not going to be Peter Drucker. On the other hand, I use what he taught me all the time. So as long as I'm alive, in a way he's alive. So in the same way, I, I don't expect anybody to be some junior version of me. That's not the goal here. I, everybody should be themselves. On the other hand, if I can teach them something they can then share with others or in some way use with others, then I'm still alive. So I'm thinking about when you, what you're doing is having people to come to a location and you teach them and you share with them. But I feel like what you're describing now is you're What's the value inside of, uh, I'm sure there's more than one. Is it leaving a legacy? Is it teaching? Is it sharing? Is it? Well, also, if you look at our coaching process, people get better. And if your leader becomes better, your life is better. You're happier. The people around you have better lives. You know, you're probably better at home. It's just a good thing. And so, you know, to the degree people do this, the world gets a little better. And again, I'm not going to, since I've grown older, I'm not going to, cure cancer. I'm not going to solve global warming. I'm not going to do really any macro level things. I'm not going to make much difference there. Maybe some small amount, but not too much. And so the point is, what can I do? Well, if one person sends me an email and says, you know, gee, my life's a little better because of something I did or said or put online or wrote or whatever, I'm declaring victory. That's good enough. So it's making the world a better place, making people better. A little bit. Yeah. And it doesn't have to be a lot. Very simple. Very simple. Yeah. So I'm going to pick up on something you said there, because this podcast is called Leadership in the Environment. You mentioned global warming. Right. Now, you said you're not going to solve it. I don't think I'm going to solve it all by myself either. But I want to talk about... Let me tell you what I am doing, though. Uh I'm the coach of the CEO of the Nature Conservancy for free. How's that going? Very good. And he is working on that. I'm also the coach of the CEO of the World Bank, Dr. Jim Kim. He's working on that. So although I'm not going to do it myself... What I can do is do what I do and coach others who are in this world. That to me is the way I can make a difference. Feeling inspired? Do you like hearing others acting that you're not alone? Go to joshuaspodek.com slash podcast to hear other interviews, but even more valuable. Join the growing community of people who care enough to act, not just talk. Read the list of people who have taken on personal challenges and then commit to one yourself. Don't be surprised if you end up loving it, changing more, and finding people following you without you even trying. That's what happens when you improve your life by living by your values. I think I might give you another chance on this podcast to do something different. Also, not a huge, huge thing, but modest, and, but I think a non-zero effect. In fact, what I've learned from you, from even before I met you, because in business school, I was assigned to read the New Yorker article about you. And one of the mm-hmm. big things it said is that, like, you can correct me if I say it too far off, but it was, you know, psychologists maybe do a lot of analysis, but you're about making things better. We can't change the past. Right. We can act in the present to change the future. Right. And, you know, I'm really glad that there's scientists studying global warming. Right. Uh, and but we can't change the past, but we can do something about what's happening now. And right. I don't hear a lot of people actually choosing to change themselves. I see a lot of people pointing fingers and a lot of people trying to pass laws. Well, let me give you my thoughts on global warming, okay? This is kind of off topic for me. So please accept I'm not an expert at all 
On the other hand, let me give you my logic on it. Okay, are you ready? Yes. Now, to me, I think both sides on global warming totally screw up their communication. The people that believe in global warming demean the people who disagree with them. They treat them like idiots and fools, and they kind of communicate that they're a bunch of idiot losers. That really does not help anything. On the other hand, the other side is almost as bad, that these people are all, in essence, communists or something, right? That doesn't help either. So you got two sides of people engaging in what I call echo chamber behavior. They're both sitting there talking to people who totally agree with them and then just repeating what they say over and over again as if it matters, right? Mm -hmm. Let me give you my view on global warming. Let's assume, and this is just an assumption, there is a 10% chance, 10% only, there is a 10% chance that man-made activity is significantly contributing to something that we can call global climate change, global warming, whatever, and that the consequences of this are very, very negative. 10% chance. Not a 100% chance, a 90% chance. Let's say there's a 10% chance only. To me, the way you act is if there's a 10% chance is exactly the same way you act as if there's a 100% chance. Now, let's assume, Josh, you got in a car and there's a 10% chance your brakes are going to go out and you die. Would you do something about it? <laughs> yes. Of course you would. Well, you see what I mean? That's the way I look at global warming. I mean, I think almost any rational person would say there is a 10% chance this is real. I mean, anybody says there's not even a 10% chance, you're not going to change them anyway, right? They're so far gone, you're not going to change them anyway. But if you say there's a 10% chance that it's real, to me, you would act exactly the same way as if there was a 90% chance it's real. You would still engage in behavior designed to eliminate this risk. Am I making sense? Yeah, I agree. Yes. So this is what I call the 10% solution to global warming. Rather than, and boy, the the pro-global warming, the climate activists, are almost as bad to me in many cases as the climate deniers because they'll take some micro level event and say, well, gee, it's cold in Chicago, global warming. It's hot in Chicago, global warming. They sound like idiots to me. They, I have a degree in math. They just sound like idiots. I mean, you know, you can't say it's cold in Chicago one year because of global warming. It's hot the next year because of global warming. It's like a moron. Why don't they just say, look, there's a lot of scientific evidence that indicates this is real. We can't take any micro level event and make some grandiose claims based on any of that. On the other hand, we can say there is a real chance that this is a real thing and it's real bad. So we should deal with it now and don't demean everyone else. They say, well, there's a chance it's not real. Okay, maybe you're right. Maybe it isn't. So what? There's a chance it is. And as long as there's a chance that has huge negative consequences, it's something we should deal with. I'm hearing from you, and correct me if I'm wrong, that your perspective is a very leadership perspective because you're looking at the people and how they communicate and how they're affecting each other. Right. What's working, what's not working. Right. And, you know, the science, it looks pretty solid, but there's always doubt. Every scientist will say that. Yeah. And it does sound like there's a bit of passion in your voice about this. Well, I think as a citizen of the earth, it's something we should be concerned about, and it is real. It's Again, let's assume, going back to my 10% number, to me, if you think there's a 10% chance or if you think there's a 90% chance, it doesn't matter. You should do something about it either way. And by the way, the the strategy, whether it's a 10% chance or a 90% chance is not much different. So I want to offer you, what I'm doing on this podcast is to invite the guest at your option to take on a personal challenge. And there's a few things that I put into it is that one, 
that it doesn't have to solve everything overnight because so many people think, well, if it doesn't solve everything, why should I do anything? So it doesn't have to do that. And it can be temporary, but it has to be something that, and it can't be something that you're already doing and it can't be something that you're telling someone else to do, but something that you, that would fit with a value of yours to lower your, and it can be greenhouse effect, but it can also be pollution. Cause you know, even if you don't believe in greenhouse effect, you don't want mercury in your fish and you don't want litter on the sidewalk and you know, there's resource depletion, things like that. Would you be interested or willing to take on a personal challenge, however temporary, and it doesn't have to be a big thing? Yeah. Let me give, I've, I've thought about this. So let me give you my, what I think I can do. To me, the best use of my time is to do something where I'm an expert, not to, uh, quote, you know, lick stamps. Mm -hmm. So I think the best thing I could do is find another person who's really a leader in this area and help that person to become more effective. That's where I can add value, far more than I can add value by uh, some tiny little things. Well, I'll tell you that one of the things that I'm finding is that you know, there's a lot of people out there saying, here's this one little thing that you can do. And some people will say lots of little things add up to big things. That may be the case. But what I'm finding with the people I'm interviewing is that the value of doing little things is not in the little, it's in the doing. And that when people do something, it changes them. And people constantly say, Josh, it was a challenge, but thank you, because it got me to see things differently through doing something instead of just talking about stuff. Right. I'm talking about doing something. I'm talking about coaching someone who's very important in this field for free. So I'm going to push back once more. And if this doesn't work, that's fine. Then I'll take it. But I just, if it's something that could lower your impact, then I think that would also be valuable. I'm just suggesting yeah, it one more time. One, I think a good one I can do is not eating meat. Okay. That's one people are doing. And, you know, and people that's like, is having an effect on, it's a big effect. Good. Well, that's one. Okay. And I take it you do eat meat now? Not a whole lot, but some, yes. Okay. Then the next thing to do is to make it a smart goal. So I assume you know, but for all the people at home, you know, specific, measurable, what's the A? Accountable and time-based and realistic. So usually that for most people, that means doing it for a specified period of time, like a week or a month or whatever is. Let's do it for a week. Okay. So no meat for a week. Yeah, that sounds fine. And do you also want to do the coaching someone? Well, let's just do the no meat for a week thing for just start with. Okay, cool. And can we schedule a second conversation to talk about the experience after it? Sure, that'd be fine. So cool. I think that this may have more of an effect than you think. Good. And I think that like it's surprising to find that people say, okay, I'll do this. And then when they start doing it, it becomes harder than they expect. Oh, I'm, I'm not doubting that at all. And I think the value for the people listening at home is partly that they get to hear what happens. And if you succeed, they get to hear about the success of someone actually doing stuff instead of just telling others to. But also, if it doesn't work, then people get to hear the challenge that someone goes through. I think that makes them sound more human and authentic. Good. I like it. Awesome. I have one other question before we wrap up. I wonder if I could ask you to expand on something that's a I'm not being able to quote you perfectly, but something that's been very meaningful that's guided me, that you've said that in life, people know what to do. The challenge is not usually what to do, but doing it. Right. And that really strikes home with 
acting with respect to the environment. I wonder if you could say a few words on that. My theory in life is if I interviewed almost anyone and said, describe the ideal you, I would get this beautiful story about this nice, hardworking, good person who's high in integrity and good with a family and in perfect physical condition and, you know, works out and blah, 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 and doesn't make bad comments about others and all that. And then uh, the problem is, what happens in the real world? Well, in the real world, uh, obesity in the United States is an all-time high. Depression is at an all-time high. Employee engagement is an all-time low. So if you look at it, what happens between this dream life, this person who's supposed to be there, and the person who shows up every day? Well, you know, I, in my book, Triggers, I talk a lot about this, but mm-hmm. a trigger is any stimulus may impact our behavior. Well, we're constantly bombarded with triggers that generally throw us away from achieving whatever it is we want to achieve. And it's very, very hard to keep anything in focus today, especially the internet. The internet is like, we we all have something called a monkey mind, a Buddhist terms, monkey mind. Our mind is like a monkey swinging from vine to vine throughout the jungle. The the internet provides amphetamines for the monkey mind. So, you know, I mean, you want to look up something online, it's supposed to take five minutes, three hours later, you're still online. It's amphetamines for the monkey mind. So what happens is, you know, I think it's very, very challenging to keep anything in focus. That's why I have the daily question process. I have a woman call me every day. She listens to me read questions I wrote and provide answers I wrote every day just to try to keep some sense of focus and structure in my life. Somebody asked me, why do you do this? Don't you know right, the theory about how to change behavior? So I wrote the theory about how to change behavior. I mean, I do this because I know how difficult it is. It's very hard for any of us, including me, to keep anything in our minds. And it's not because we're mean or bad or evil or stupid. It's because we are bombarded with stimulus all the time and from all kinds of directions. And it's not getting less, it's getting more. And it is very, very hard to keep anything in focus. So it's not like we don't know what we want to do. It's just doing it. When my book, What Got You Here, Won't Get You There, was the number one best-selling business book in America. The number one best-selling diet book in America sold 10 times as many copies. Americans get fatter and fatter and fatter while purchasing more and more diet books. Well, you know, you don't lose weight by purchasing a diet book. You actually have to go on a diet. And, you know, purchasing diet books would make you thin. Americans would be the thinnest people that ever lived. <laughs> you know, that's, it's not the theory. The theory is not the problem. The problem is the execution. And execution is very, very difficult. And I find it's very hard to get people to change anything. I mean, I work with very, very successful, very motivated people, and they want to get better, and they're trying. And I'll tell you, this stuff is very easy to understand. It's just very difficult to do. So if someone is listening to this podcast, and they're interested in changing something, they've read a lot of theory, they know a lot of stuff, of all the resources of yours, where would you suggest they start if they want to improve their ability to act, not just... Um, I'll just tell them something they can do without going to any resources. Get out an Excel spreadsheet. On one column, write down a series of behaviors that represent what they want in their life. They could relate to friends, family, health, exercise, customers, whatever it is, write anything you want. Then seven boxes across, one for every day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Every question has to be answered with a yes, a no, or a number. And then they fill it out every day. Now, at the end of the week, that Excel spreadsheet will give you a report card. I will warn your listeners in advance, the report card at the end of the week may not be quite as beautiful <laughs> as the corporate values plaque that's plastered up on the wall. 
I've been doing this for years. And when you do this every day, you quickly learn that life is incredibly easy to talk. Life is incredibly difficult to live. And if you do this every day, you don't learn about your talking values. You don't learn about those living values. They're not quite so pretty. The average human cannot do this beyond two weeks. If they don't get help, they can't do it beyond two weeks. Why? It's painful. It's embarrassing. It's humbling. Did you ever try to do this yourself? Me? Yeah. I did it slightly differently. I did a time diary of where I was actually spending my time. Hmm. It was unpleasant. (laughs) Yeah, it's embarrassing. How long did you last? Yeah, good question. I think it was about a week or two. Because I was was like spending so much time on the internet. It was really, I kept tracking it. And I was like, this isn't what I thought. After a while, rather than filling it out and feeling embarrassed, you just quit filling out the form. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Now, my name is Marshall Goldsmith. I was the world's number one ranked leadership thinker and executive coach. I pay a woman to call me on the phone every day. Why? Because I'm too cowardly to do this by myself and too undisciplined. I need help and it's okay. Now, um, Josh, I want you to repeat after me. Are you ready? Yes. My name is Josh. My name is Josh. I'm an incredibly smart guy. I'm an incredibly smart guy. Lots of degrees. Lots of degrees. I'm too cowardly to do this simple stuff by myself. I'm too cowardly to do this simple stuff by myself. I'm too undisciplined to do this simple stuff by myself. I'm too undisciplined to do this simple stuff by myself. I need help. I need help. And it's okay. And it's okay. Here you go. (laughs) All right. I'm going (laughs) to... We all need help and it's okay. I'm going to commit to you to put down... How many behaviors did you... You said seven? No, seven days across. Many as you want. Yeah, seven days across. Many behaviors, many or a few as you want. So I'll be prepared... I will commit back to you to do for one week also. And I'll tell you how my week went. That's good. That's good. Give it a shot. Okay. And anything else that I didn't think to ask? I think I want to wrap up here because this one has been really dense and we've left people with something that they can do. One final thing. Yeah. Final coaching advice for all your good listeners. Take a deep breath. Imagine you're 95 years old and you're just getting ready to die. Right before you take that last breath, you're giving a beautiful gift the ability to go back in time and talk with the person that's listening to me right now, the ability to help that person be a better professional and have a better life. What advice would that wise old you who knows what mattered in life and what didn't was important and what wasn't, what advice would that wise old person have for the youth that's listening to me right now? Uh, You don't have to say anything, do anything, write anything. Just answer that question in your mind. Well, whatever you're thinking now, do that. In terms of a performance appraisal, that's the only one that's going to matter. That old person says you did the right thing, you did. That old person says you screwed up, you did. You don't have to impress anybody else. Some friends of mine interviewed old folks who were dying, got to ask this question, what advice would you have? Personal side, three themes. Theme number one, three words, be happy now. Not next week, not next month, not next year. Be happy now. Number two, friends and family. All your coworkers may be important. When you're 95 and you're on your deathbed, you're not going to see them. And then finally, if you have a dream, go for it. Because you don't do it when you're 35, you won't when you're 45, and you probably won't when you're 85. Doesn't have to be big, maybe small. Business advice isn't much different. Have fun, be nice to people, help them any way you can, and go for it. Old people, we seldom regret the risk we take and fail. We always regret the risk we fail to take. So finally, it's been fun to talk with you as always. Hope my comments have been helpful to your nice listeners and help people have a little better life. Simple and beautiful. Thank you. I just hope people hit rewind and listen to this one again. Thank you. Talk to you again in a week. Good. 
I had a leadership challenge here because I had a strategic choice that I made before the recording that I wanted to make sure that guests who decided to take on a challenge would themselves change their behavior. And Marshall wanted to do what would be most effective in making the biggest difference with that interaction. Of course, it's you can't argue that Marshall helping someone at the Sierra Club is not going to be very effective with someone who's influential. But I wanted to make sure that people who heard this weren't hearing someone saying, other people change, but not me, because I think that message is prevalent in the world, and I don't think we need more of that message. Also, Marshall is one of the busiest people I know. I've seen him in person since we recorded this. It's been more than a week, but I haven't gotten to record or talk about the challenge. So I'm still looking forward to hear how the challenge goes. I'm not sure if he's keeping it up for longer than a week, but we'll hear. I also want to mention that I kept a spreadsheet of things that I wanted to make sure that I did for a week. Now, I'm not sure if I did it right because I, if you know me, you know that I do my SIDCHAs every day. And if you don't know what a SIDCHA is, look up on my blog, S-I-D-C-H-A, or actually go to SIDCHA.com. I guarantee you'll like what you find. So I knew that I would do 100% on them, and I do do 100%. In any case, Marshall closed with some really brilliant stuff. I love when Marshall leaves you with that inspirational stuff. I hope that you keep a list yourself and keep it up and that you're able to act on Marshall's stuff. So I look forward to hearing how his personal challenge goes. Did you feel inspired too? Then act. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and click to commit to your personal challenge so you can inspire others. Value means better and worse. And living by your values means living better by your values. You may struggle at first, but it's the hero's journey from living by others' values to living by yours. People say that little things add up. I won't argue against it, but what I find counts is acting. Doing something, anything, starts that mindset shift from the debilitating others should act first or making excuses to the empowering I can make a difference and living by my values improves my life. I don't have to wait for others to act first. I'm looking for leaders, people who will bring what works here in this podcast to communities I haven't reached. Billions of people want to change their behavior. There's room for leadership from personal leadership of just yourself to whatever scale you want. Start by acting and changing yourself. Go to joshuaspodak.com slash podcast and commit to your personal challenge.